Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded the Araqual people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. I'm your host Jordana Levine. Today's episode is an interview episode and I'm interviewing a return guest. It's Georgie Collinson. We spoke last year during Virgo season about anxiety and Georgie's just written a book called The Anxiety Reset Method. So I had her back on the podcast. We're sort of looking at anxiety from a really different perspective this time or more so the techniques to manage your anxiety. We sort of look at them from a subconscious perspective. So we're talking about hypnotherapy in this episode. We're talking about inner child work. And then we also talk about what some of the positives of having anxiety are. I talk about it in the episode, but I had quite a bit of anxiety in the last week or so, Um, had a few health things going on, which if you listen to the podcast, you know about, and it just all got a bit much for me over the weekend. Um, And it was so timely to be able to talk to Georgie while I was going through that, and also having her book as a resource was unparalleled. Like I've read a lot of books about anxiety, but there's something in the way that Georgie delivers the message that just feels really true (laughs) is probably the best way I can put it. I know you guys are going to love the book. So if you do suffer from anxiety, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, she also she also has a brilliant podcast all about anxiety that you'll love too. I'll link to all of that in the show notes as well as the previous episode that we did during Virgo season last year. In other news, I did have to reschedule embodying your natal chart. Like I said, some health stuff this week. So if you do want to attend that event and you couldn't attend it when it was meant to be, which was on the 23rd, it has now been rescheduled to May 30, which is next Tuesday. You can join me there. There's a link to that in the show notes of this episode as well. Another little reminder about natal charts. August is starting to book out. So if you do want to have your natal chart read or have a transits and progression reading or any of my astrology offerings, please make sure you book in because time will just get further and further away. All right, my loves, please enjoy this episode with Georgie Collinson. Welcome back to Luna Lover, the podcast. We had you on, was it late last year? Or was it the year before? Yeah. 
No, it was late last yeah. year. Yeah, it was all through, there was something going on with Virgo at the time and right. we were like, that is so the archetype of high-functioning anxiety. And it absolutely is. You're right. It was Virgo season. Yeah. It's so funny. I was, sometimes I like brainstorm podcast episodes and I thought um, while I was prepping for this, I was like, I really should do an episode on the star signs that are prone to anxiety because there yeah. are a few that, like function through the nervous system Mm. and so they're the ones that are really like running on all cylinders you know and having those anxiety burnouts Mm. it's interesting you told us in the last episode what your sun moon and rising is but can you remind me I'm a Taurus sun I'm a Virgo moon and a Virgo rising so I do resonate a lot Virgos is it any surprise that I have experienced a lot of high functioning anxiety in my life absolutely I forgot about that that's right I asked you to come on for Virgo season and then you were a double Virgo yeah um for those uh for those listeners who haven't heard that previous episode I'm going to link it in the show notes of this one but can you give us a little um background on who you are and what it is that you do Yeah, so I help women with high-functioning anxiety. I just released a book called The Anxiety Reset Method that really goes through the whole process that I teach. And I'm working with anxiety from that perspective of the mind, the body, and the soul. So it's all connected, you know, there are our thoughts and our beliefs, and that really does govern a lot of anxiety. If we are asking those questions like what if it all goes wrong all the time or you know looking out for ways that you're not safe that's obviously going to have an effect our mind impacts our body but I'm a naturopath and a nutritionist as well so there's so much we can do with our physical health our Mm. gut health our hormones our nutrition to also help our body be in the state the optimal state to feel supported and calm down so that's really lovely because it's so practical And then the last piece, that soul piece, is also just as crucial and I think often gets really neglected in supporting people with anxiety. And that's really going into the question of how the hell do we trust life? This completely uncertain, unknown, ever-changing, not stable at all, impossible to control life, which is, you know, just even contemplating how out of our control life is can bring on some anxiety. Mm. So delving into that deeper connection to something greater than yourself and figuring out how to build that trust within is also really, uh, really, really helpful. Following our intuition, following our our mind. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, like, I've suffered anxiety most of my life. um, And I think the one thing, I mean, all those things that you've mentioned have all been really helpful. And I did have a bit of an anxiety episode on the weekend and did luckily have Georgie's book by my bed. And it was very helpful. Honestly, it got me out of what was essentially a panic attack. So it was great. But I think the soul piece for me has been the most effective piece, the learning to trust, especially in the moments of anxiety, because it is very hard to get from, you know, zero to 100 if 100 is full faith and surrender and trust but in those moments if you can get yourself across the line I found personally for me to for it to be the most effective method for reducing my anxiety yeah it all goes so beautifully together and I mean just 
for a quick recap on what high functioning anxiety looks like for anyone who isn't quite sure if you haven't heard that term before it's really basically being really good at pretending you don't have anxiety because on the <laughs> it looks like you've got it all together you've got everything going on but inside there's this worry that can come over you perfectionism people pleasing a lot of being like conscious of how you're being perceived and caring what others think um, that's a big part of it as well and it dry it's really you're driven by this pressure to be doing all the time it can be really hard to switch off and relax and that sounds a lot like a successful person in our society right like right. the person just achieving lots of stuff and doing things and always like looks good because they've done their hair and their makeup and whatever it might be whatever that version of perfection is for that person um, but really there's quite often and almost always some high functioning anxiety going on underneath that um, that kind of behavior that is not so fun to be in and can right. really start to lead us to things like burnout. Right. It's so interesting hearing you describe it like that because, again, you're right, Virgo, Virgo really is that high-functioning anxiety, isn't it? It's the aiming yeah. for perfection. It's the strategy of, like, analysis and precision and self-criticism and obsession and, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And planning, right? Like I need to know what's going to happen. I need to know the outcome. I need the control. Right. Right. I'm just sitting here like (laughs) computing my own chart being like, oh my God, you're so so much Virgo. (laughs) So much Virgo, but also like a lot of Gemini. Gemini um, is one of three air signs. So most of the air signs are prone to anxiety because of the overthinking that happens in the mind. Um, But Gemini especially is all about the nervous system, right? So they can be really, 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 really high functioning, much like Virgo, um, but burning out while it's all happening behind the scenes. Yeah, so interesting. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety in a bit of a different way. We kind of dove into it on a really kind of uh, basic level last time, but today we're going to talk about some of the subconscious techniques that Mm -hmm. we can use to create like a deep transformation in mindset and emotions essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's start with hypnotherapy is one of the things you wanted to talk about today. Yes. When I think of hypnotherapy, I think of a guy in like a sparkly suit on stage who is making people like, walk around like a chicken and you know wag their tail like a dog and say stupid things on stage is this hypnotherapy so that is a stage hypnotist and the work that I do uses something similar but it's a completely different outcome it's all in the name of helping you supporting you harnessing that power of the mind uh, in order to help you feel better change some of these patterns and beliefs that you know we all love a good affirmation and it feels so good but how often do we truly believe it and mm-hmm. let it in? you know when you just feel like you're reading these affirmations or you're singing one of those lovely songs that's like you know I am beautiful I am light and it's like you're not really feeling it though <laughs> and so when that's the case it's because we're really working on that we're in that conscious mind and the conscious mind has the inner critic present as well and the inner critic just blocks that out what do you mean I'm beautiful like 
have you seen the pimple on my face? It's, mm-hmm. it doesn't let the supportive, loving, caring beliefs in. And it's really protection mode. So speaking of anxiety, you know, if I say you're safe, the anxious mind will sort of say, well, and the conscious mind will say, but but what about, you know, this thing's gone wrong in the past and it, how do I know that I'm safe? And I, I don't feel safe, even though you look around and you can see that. So consciously we can tell ourselves things that aren't just aren't going into that deeper level because deep down our body isn't feeling safe. Our subconscious mind isn't feeling safe. So there's this almost automated programming happening of I'm not safe or rejecting positive ideas and concepts about ourselves that would make us feel safe. Mm. And that's where we delve into with this subconscious mind work or hypnotherapy. I use a very specific form of hypnotherapy. It's called RTT, Rapid Transformational Therapy. It is summed up best as hypnotherapy, but it uses all the effective techniques of NLP, uh, CBT. It combines that together to get a really quick, rapid transformation happening for people. Amazing. I'm just hearing a bunch of letters. That's why I was laughing, but (laughs) I, I get what you're saying. So can you walk me through like what a session would be like? Yeah. So my private sessions run from anywhere from two hours to sometimes up to four hours. I've what? Been with- yeah. Which is not your typical therapy experience, right? It's like clocks ticking. We're nearly at 50 minutes and off you go, which is really for me when I'm working with someone just as we're starting to get somewhere and to think that you have to then walk out and, you know, be left for a week or two to sort of process and then try and get to that place again it's um it it can take a long time to see results whereas when I really sit with someone I stay with them until we've got that transformation happening until the penny drops and it's so much more effective when we can speak to the subconscious um to those automatic programmings and let those beliefs in rather than just talking you and I on this conscious level now so Essentially, a session begins with, I mean, it depends kind of what we're working through. Most of my clients, I do a four-month program with them called Unshakable. So we move through a a process and we have a few private sessions through that. We also do group work and there's a curriculum that they work through. But in those private sessions, we will start sometimes just through that process. There's like a layer coming up um, and the next layer kind of reveals itself as we go through but we usually start with anxiety and we just start with, okay, like what's going on with this anxiety for you? How would you like to feel? We start to create a sense of what this vision looks like of you not experiencing this anxiety anymore. Wow. What What's that like for you? Because a lot of people, it's like hard to imagine. It's like the wake up in the morning. What are you thinking about? You're not filled with dread like and oh my god all the stuff I have to do your heart's not racing instead you're waking up you feel energized you're excited about the day you're wondering what wonderful things could happen today so we make it as real as possible and we make it as close to that person's life so I really get a sense of what their childhood was like it all comes back to childhood what their family dynamics are like and and their lifestyle so that when I'm inserting this new these new beliefs and this new vision into their mind I'm 
really creating it and making sure that it feels real. So after we've had a bit of a chat, we most, most of my clients take the session on their bed. In fact, all of them do. They have their computer there. They lie down and we use some, we aim the computer so I can still see them. And we use some techniques first to get them to relax okay. and start to go into what's called an alpha brainwave state. So there, we can explain this scientifically or we can explain this kind of, you know, more using kind of, uh, what's the word? Using metaphors and things like that. But basically what's happening is we're bringing the brain into an alpha brainwave state, which is the same brain state that young children are in where they're just sponges and they're just absorbing all the messaging around them, absorbing the world around them. Someone says you're the shy one, they're going to just agree with that and take that in. And we're mimicking that so that we can start to change some of those beliefs that came in. Okay. Uh, it's also, yeah. Yeah. So, so what is that process like to get into an alpha state? So what you do is you look up as high as you can and it looks quite funny when you do it. And I could demonstrate it, Jordana, but then it will make me really sleepy. So <laughs> no, let's I won't not do that. So my brain still works, but this is the process. You just look up at your own eyebrows as high as you can, lying down, or you can be sitting down and you take in three deep breaths in and out, in and out. And on the last breath out, you slowly close your eyelids down while your eyeballs are looking up. And it makes this funny fluttering yeah. sensation. It's, you look like something out of a horror film, right? <laughs> but... That is actually mimicking what happens in REM sleep when we're ah, in that deep dreaming sleep. Yeah. yeah. So we're kind of dreaming while you're awake Amazing. and while you're conscious and starting to just like what we do, we emotionally process things in our dreams and stresses and traumatic events. All of that gets reorganized in our brain while we're in that REM state. So we're just manually going through the process with this hypnotherapy. Incredible. Okay. So you take someone into the alpha state yes. and you sort of, is like, what is the languaging we use? Are we reprogramming belief systems? Like what's happening in there? Yeah, we're pretty much reprogramming. So what happens is we, there's a few more deepening techniques, relaxing the body. We walk down some steps. And then once I know someone's really responsive and they're in that state, there's a few ways I can check that. Then we get to ask this subconscious mind where the anxiety is coming from. And the mind will bring up every time, everyone's afraid that they won't get the scenes and the memories and that they'll do it wrong. But every time a scene comes up and it's, it can be the most random thing, like sometimes you're just staring at your shoes and you're like, I can see these shoes, but it doesn't make any sense. And I say, keep going. And we pull out more of the details because the mind, the subconscious mind holds so much information. It's honestly like genius levels of information. And then we find out that actually those are shoes you were wearing when you were 10 years old at school and all the kids were bullying you because they had the new shiny shoes and you had these old shoes and you felt shame and you felt embarrassed and you felt like you weren't good enough. Mm. And then we start to see where a belief like that has started to take hold that leads to anxiety, that leads to caring what people think, that leads to feeling like you're not enough or that you're not as worthy of friendship and love and kindness from people. And so it all starts to make sense. We go back to three different scenes. We look at the connecting threads between them all. 
The mind just brings them up. It's brilliant. It works every time. It's amazing how it happens. It blows my mind every time because it's so spot on. And then together we figure out what those themes are, what those beliefs are underlying the anxiety or whatever specific layer we're exploring. Sometimes it's something like emotional eating or chronic IBS and gut issues that you know you know are linked to your emotions and what's going on in that on that level and then we re-examine those scenes and we see that they're actually not those conclusions you came to are actually not the same conclusions you'd come to if your friend had gone through that or someone you love had gone through that Children typically blame themselves. They typically see something as their fault or there's something wrong with me. Mm. We're not at those young ages able to firstly self-soothe and calm our own nervous system unless there's a loving parent around to really hold us through those emotional times. And most of the time we're told, you know, you're being a drama queen or toughen up, take a shot of concrete or just get on with it. Come on. Oh, I haven't heard that one. <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> Take yeah. a shot of concrete. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think a lot of young men hear that one. Right. Um, right. <laughs> toughen up. Right. Yeah. And that's certainly whatever version of that is the messaging, you know, that we have to suppress our emotions. But little kids literally can't regulate their own nervous system. Mm. And they will also uh, blame themselves. They can't look outside of themselves to see that bigger picture and see that, well, if a bully's bullying you, that's obviously a problem with that bully. It doesn't mean you are not a good person or that you deserve that in any way. So we break through those old beliefs. We look at those scenes. It becomes very obvious and apparent. It's not that hard for me to do that work. It sounds tough, but it's really quite simple because of how obvious it is once you look back at it with an adult's perspective. Mm. And then we get to release all of that and we start to insert these new ideas because once you've realized something, it's like, Jordan, I, I know you love you've gone through many um, phases of self-development through your life and many different moments of awakening about something or realizing something and seeing it in a new way. Once you've had that realization, you don't go back and not see it anymore. It's like you can't not see the world through the lens of astrology now, right? Now that you know so much about it. (laughs) Right, right. It's kind of like that. Once you've realized it, you can't go back and see it the old way. And then we rewire in new beliefs, this new vision. We make it so real, tangible. You can feel it, taste it, see it, smell it, touch it. And that is reprogrammed into the mind. And that recording, that audio that we make in the session is listened to for 21 days every night before bed to really cement it in. It's like we pull out the weeds from the garden in the session and then we get to plant in the new flowers that we want to grow in that beautiful garden of the mind are there patterns I don't know how answerable this question is so let's give it a go but are there patterns that you see that are quite common experiences in childhood that will manifest as adult anxiety yes and really what it comes down to is if there is anxiety now as an adult there were definitely experiences as a young person Sometimes it's really not until school school years or primary school, but most of the time there was some moment where your parents, even if they were the most loving, aware parents, like doing their best, they just weren't there in that one crucial moment and wow. you happened to perceive it 
and make a meaning about it that meant, whoa, like this emotion is too much for me. I can't deal with this. And at five years old, you can't deal with it. But at 35 years old, you absolutely can because you're an adult now. But what we have is a someone in their adult life still coming from that programming or that perspective of five years old where, oh my God, these emotions are too much. I can't hold them. I can't handle them. Right. And so, yeah, there are those kind of patterns. It might look like, you know, you're playing on the living room floor and you, you're crying and you think you've lost mum and she's just gone out to the clothesline, but you think she's gone. You mm. can see how like subtle some of these situations can be that lead to such great consequences just because of we can make infinite meanings out of whatever has ex- we've experienced. And then there's like the really obvious traumatic things as well. You know, a, a parent that was really inconsistent, um, a parent that was sometimes there, but sometimes not, sometimes was really loving and happy to see you, but sometimes really angry with you or just angry. And you you didn't know what how to make them happy. Um, it might've been, having a new sibling born and suddenly feeling like you were responsible for the sibling or that you've been replaced in some way. I see a lot of people who were given jobs that they couldn't do at young ages. So for example, you're six years old and dad's fixing the car and you're trying to help. And he's like, yeah, just hold this, just do this with the tools or whatever it might be. Mm. And you can't do it or you forget how to do it because you're six and dad goes, oh, like, come on, you know, you've, you've, you've dropped it or you've, you've messed it all up. And of course you're six years old. You're not meant to be able to do these adult tasks. Yeah. And it's like a fleeting moment for dad that he wouldn't think twice about, but it's imprinted. Right. So, I mean, if we look at this from the other perspective, Geordie, Geordie, that's my name. You're Georgie. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording this late for me. Keep up with my brain. Um, if we look at it from another perspective and we look at it from the parents' perspective, there's parents listening to the podcast, I'm sure, who are freaking out now and they're like, oh my God, am I going to give my kid anxiety? What are some of the ways that a conscious parent could look at maybe soothing or reassuring or preventing in some way anxiety in their kids when they're older? Well, first of all, there's just so much that goes on without us being conscious that you have to just do the inner work. Like you have to reparent your own scared little child and meet yourself on that level. Like being okay with your own emotions is the only way that you are always going to meet your child consistently with being okay with their emotions. Because the moment you find them frustrating because they're kicking off the tantrum in the supermarket is the moment that you might you're actually rejecting the part of you that wants to have a big tantrum about life and feel frustrated. So that is one key thing that I just have to preface with, but that's an ongoing journey. And that is life. I would say always letting emotions be okay is really important. Uh, Knowing, knowing that your key role is to soothe your child's nervous system, that they can't do it themselves and they need you to hold them. And they need you to be that safe place for them is, I think, really, really crucial. Letting them know that they're loved unconditionally and really thinking about what that means. What does it mean to be unconditionally loving? It means accepted in all states. 
that doesn't mean that you can never discipline your kids or say that they've done the wrong thing or set boundaries. There is, you know, a there. it's not like black and white always, but knowing that ultimately you want to instill this messaging in your child that they're always enough, that they don't have to get straight A's in school in this, you know, institutionalized system that we know doesn't foster every beautiful individual's brain and talents and gifts on this earth they don't have to thrive in that environment to be enough to be Mm. a good person to have a great life to be happy and to be lovable and to be worthy Um, because a lot of kids and a lot of human beings don't fit into that system of schooling right right I was lucky that I was lucky that I did and I'm going to make an assumption that you did fit in pretty well in school as well but you know so many people get this feeling that that if they don't um which you know it's so rigid and it doesn't foster individuality and different ways of being in the world like what if you do want to go off and be an artist and that's your gift you know um so really just having that that acceptance for your child and whatever their expression is right I think there's people listening now because I am one of those people who are thinking oh god like you know, there was so many, I had two beautiful parents, but there were so many moments where I had the opportunity and it played out to develop these anxious tendencies, right? And people yeah. are thinking, oh God, I don't want to do that with my own kids, or I wish it had been different for me. This is where we start to look at soothing the inner child, right? And going mm-hmm. back to that child that you were and making those changes. So can we talk a little bit about inner child work and what that looks like in this space? A hundred percent. And this is what I mean about it being so unconscious because even we will just default to parenting the way we were parented. I even noticed with my, um, like the young children in, in my family, in my life, when I, there's an, there's this automatic impulse to say you're pretty or you're beautiful to the girl to the girls and not say that to the boys and to say, oh, you're clever to the boys because that was the, you know, conditioning and I have to grab it, you know, and see that because that's what I was told. And that was a deep, you know, message for me was that the value in me came from how I looked and that external appearance. It it was always said with love. It was, oh, but you are beautiful. You of should course, hear this. and you are beautiful. But I, I but- hear you. I hear my friends doing it. Uh, you know unconsciously and I always jump in with and you're clever and you're smart and you're funny (laughs) you know but it's we are conditioned by society even to talk like that to little girls right exactly and and over identifying with our appearance in any way is a trap always it's a trap for it might manifest as eating disorders but it's also the fear of aging and wrinkles and all of this stuff that just has us I mean it's like life becomes a ticking clock and that's Mm. not okay um so yeah really celebrating in people the the attributes the elements in them that they can always possess through their life such as being clever being resourceful being kind right yeah. celebrating that in others I think is is the way to go rather than our in external but your question was um kind of looking at that that inner child within us and honestly Tordana this is the work you know whenever I feel anxiety in myself or emotions are triggered 
I have to place my hand on my heart and I have to talk to that scared little girl in me. Um, it There was something that happened actually at the start of last week. I'd arrived at an accommodation. I'm in Bali at the moment and I'd arrived late the night before. And the next morning I was wandering around in the garden and sort of I could access the beach. So I walked off to the beach and then I came back into the property from the beach. And this man approached me and had assumed that I was a stranger or a random person that had walked into the property off the beach. And he said to me, do you see those ropes over there? This is private property. And I was really confused because I was like, I don't know, is there a certain area I'm not allowed to be in? And my inner child got triggered into the, I've done something wrong. You're in trouble. Yeah. I'm in trouble. And also the caught off, caught off guard, because as far as I was aware, I was just playing and having a nice time. And then all of a sudden, boom, comes the, you're doing something wrong. And of course, if we look at the situation, I wasn't doing anything wrong, but it, it left me unsettled. And he felt embarrassed when I said, actually, I'm staying here. <laughs> and it was all sort of okay. But I, I was still a little rattled from that. And so I had to sit down place my hand on my heart and talk to that little girl and tell her she hadn't done anything wrong. She's a good person, you know, and that she's enough. And that it was only when I really sat down and I felt it, you know, you have to feel the words and mean it when you really are bringing in that loving parent. It just settled right down. And then I was able to just enjoy the rest of my day. And that's an example of what that can look like. I think the hand on the heart, really connects you to your heart it helps you feel supported physically if you do that when you feel any kind of emotional distress you will feel held it's really lovely and then closing the eyes and speaking to that part of you Um, but if there are those ongoing patterns and you notice that that's always happening I mean that could be something for me to go and explore as another layer um, to look at in myself is the the little girl who's gotten in trouble Um, Mm. but you know, these are things that we can go and and delve into with that subconscious mind work and really clear them. Yeah. But there's just so many instances, right, that there'll always be something else there that you didn't know was there until life goes and pokes at it. (laughs) Absolutely. That's like the story of my whole (laughs) life. I'm like, I thought I was healed. And then something pokes at me. Um, With the hypnotherapy work, is it something that you know, like if you're working on a particular memory or a particular programming in one session, is the idea that once you come out of that hypnotic state, then you're likely not have to, you won't have to revisit that same thing again? Like, is it a, is it, is that how fast it works? Yes. Yes. And this is what I mean though, with anxiety. I mean, I do have some clients who respond after one session and that's pretty much all they needed. And then the next sessions we do, if we do them are kind of like top ups and it's sort of like, well, where do we want to go now? And they just feel such a weight has been removed that they're so good. Um, but then other clients need a few sessions because of the the layered nature of it um, and the different elements that can can be involved. It's like one day we can get rid of the um, general sense of needing to be doing stuff all the time but yeah. then in the next session it's like oh hang on now I'm like I've still got the perfectionist in me and then that's the thing that we kind of need to focus on and it's really cool because stuff will come up and then we just get to work through it and clear it but once you realize something and you see it a new way you'll never see it the same way again so that's, incredible. that's what really 
it is really, really cool. Like there is some deep, deep stuff we can let go of, especially when we understand that like, I'm never afraid of anything that's going to come up for a client. And some people are afraid with hypnotherapy, you know, I'm going to remember something I don't want to know about my childhood. You know, what if something terrible happened that I've blocked out? That's a genuine fear a lot of people have. And I'm going to be re-traumatized. But whatever happened has happened and it's affected you regardless, even if it's like, it's kind of like having a monster under the bed. And until you just turn the lights on and look under the bed and shine the light in there, you don't really know. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's like it becomes bigger. The monster becomes scarier when we face it and we look at it. Then it's tangible. We can deal with it. We can work with it. And whatever's happened, it really doesn't matter what the story is, what the circumstances were, how horrible and traumatic it was or how mild it was. All that matters is the meaning you make out of it. And so we can make any infinite meaning that we want. And most of the time we've made a meaning like, oh, I'm like, I'm a piece of prey. I'm weak. I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I'm a stupid girl. I, uh, I, I have no choice. I'm helpless is a big one too. This learned helplessness, um, which can often stem from something like, you know, being afraid of the dark and feeling like you can't, you can't go and bother your parents because they get really upset when you wake them up. And so you're just helpless in the dark and there's nothing I can do when you're four years old. But of course, we can upgrade that understanding and see that well, you're not four years old now. And at four years old, yes, you needed an adult to come and soothe you. Now you don't. Okay. Now so you can soothe. once we've reprogrammed those earlier instances or experiences or memories, mm-hmm. is the idea that the generalized kind of day-to-day anxiety is lessened because the triggers aren't there anymore? Pretty much. It's it's like having a massage, you know, you can feel the knots in the muscle. It's like we massage out a lot of those knots, but there'll always be the next thing. And anxiety will always be in your life to some extent. And this is just because it's it's a natural alarm system in our bodies that lets us know when we've gone off track in some way, when we are not meeting our needs. So those needs might be emotional. They might be physical, like our gut health, for example, or nutrition, like maybe you just need to have lunch or you need more sleep. It could be that. And so anxiety will never completely go. And I wouldn't want it to because then we've got no guidance system. But when we do listen to it and we develop this reparenting relationship with our inner child and we do a lot of this work, we can really get out of that, the the intensity of it, the panic attacks, the sense of like, you know, something's always coming to get me or that something's really wrong or whatever it might be that has you heightened on that daily basis. And instead it just pops up to sort of say hello from time to time or, you know, when there's something really understandable going on, like you're going through a big life transition. It's like, but it's so much easier to navigate that when you know about this stuff and you can speak to that inner child and you go, oh, well, this makes so much sense. I can bring so much compassion to myself. Instead of thinking I'm this anxious person and there's something terribly wrong with me. I love that. I love it because I feel like there's been a lot of kind of talk about anxiety over the years where it is. It's like, oh, it's something that you live with. It's something that you have. You're an anxious person. Um, And while elements of that are true, I guess it, it's so sort of refreshing to know that there 
is likely some root foundational causes and experiences and and memories that are exacerbating the anxiety you might feel day to day or whether it just you know comes up in certain moments or whatever yeah exactly the frequency of it the intensity of it can absolutely be minimized but also there's nothing wrong if some anxiety pops up on a day because then we've got a system of checking in okay does my inner child need something does she need me to tell her that she's enough today and to kind of like each time you're kind of healing a story you know you you can even go back and go okay what's this for my inner child um or hang on, maybe I just need to get to sleep earlier tonight or maybe I'm due for my period. And when we have that level of awareness, everything becomes so much less of a big thing because anxiety just like feeds off momentum of resisting it. And when we're kind of like, okay, I understand it. Oh yeah, I see what you're trying to tell me, anxiety. It's like the wind goes out of the sails. Mm. It's just like, oh, it's nothing to fight against now. And when we clear a lot of those mental stories, Jordana, and we're able to tap in more to being connected to ourselves, because it's a lot of, the, it's a much safer place to be in our internal world. Then we get to really dive deeper into that soul work and that like, okay, I am a character playing a story. I am, a, you know, have, I'm a spiritual being having a human experience and we can start to go deeper into our consciousness and that's really what anxiety is here for. It's making you uncomfortable so that you can come back to your true self and your true self is loving, is joyful, is free, is having a great time. I love that. (laughs) I do. I absolutely love that. I'd love to end this interview talking about some of the positive aspects of anxiety because there is a lot that we can take from these anxious moments or these anxious tendencies. So what are some of the positives of anxiety? Yeah, brilliant. So, I mean, the last section of my book talks about, and this is really like where we come to after working with the anxiety, is feeling gratitude for it. You know, seeing the ways that it's helped you grow. That if that alarm bell didn't go off, you wouldn't have had to like jump off the hot coals and actually do some inner work and look within. And then you start to see how it's expanded your heart, how it's actually opened you and helped you connect more deeply with others because you've had to connect more deeply with yourself. It's, I think the the last line of the book actually is, thank God for anxiety, bringing us all home to our true selves. I think I say bringing, maybe I say guiding us all home, but it is taking us home. And so when we can see it from that perspective as this like, friendly guidance system it starts to just be this thing that's not such a problem it can be there that's okay and it's actually serving a beautiful purpose in our lives ultimately and it can take some time to get there because I know panic attacks are really really scary and we literally feel like we're dying it is one of the (laughs) the most terrifying experiences a human being can have um while alive and aware and conscious like that panic attack experience so massive empathy to anyone who's had that experience Mm. however that panic even is there to tell you that honestly your true self is so far away from being afraid of this and now it's time to kind of look at shedding the layers of the trauma the stories whatever's blocking you from really being connected to who you really are 
Yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for coming on Luna Lover, the podcast again. Um, your new book, The Anxiety Reset Method, is available everywhere now? Everywhere? Everywhere. It's soon coming out in the US too, which is super exciting in September. Yeah. Um, but currently all over Australia and online, which is really cool and gosh Jordana such a pleasure to be on the podcast oh such a pleasure to have you here and it was a really nice way to look at anxiety and a very timely way to look at anxiety let's be honest with the listeners we had this scheduled in a few days ago and I (laughs) hopped on to do the interview mid anxiety meltdown (laughs) Georgie's like maybe we do it another time (laughs) (laughs) but it was actually really good because I, I haven't had anxiety in a while and so I got a nice little refresher just in time for the podcast. Um, But it did make me sort of realize what some of my triggers were and how, like we were saying, the soul work really was my way back to myself. Yeah. 100%. And and even for me in that experience, I was like, because I know you were worried about messing me around, but because of the anxiety I've experienced, I've broken down so much rigidity in myself that if something's not lining up, I just let it go. I just trust that it's meant to be at another time. And that's okay. Instead of me having like a, you know, getting resentful or having like a, you know, being upset that it's out of the plans have changed. I don't feel that very often, which is really nice. So there's another benefit to anxiety. It softens you. It relaxes you and lets you flow with life, which is so nice. So beautiful. So beautiful. (laughs) Thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,